Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema, a podcast about craft beer and film out of Chico, California. That guy sipping aggressively and deliciously is Johnny Summers. Hello, that's Max Minardi. I am. And together we are your favorite (laughs) cast of pods. Uh, if you've never heard us before, thanks for tuning in. We do this each and every week. We cover two craft beers in one movie, sometimes more of each one. You got to stick around to find out. Sometimes less of both. That's true. The key thing you got to know is we don't spoil our movie of the week till the very end of the show in a segment we call The Danger Zone. So if you have not seen uh, Ready or Not, that's fine. Just, if, just wait. Till if you're end. not ready, then don't be. Or not. Uh, Johnny, where can people find us? At Fresh Hop Cinema on all social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Tinder. Yes, uh, definitely this. We should make a podcast ship. Tinder. That'd be funny. Ship. What the hell is Ship? That's a new dating app that I read about on the internet. Sure. How's you it going know, for you? It's, uh, you read about it on the know, internet. I'm just trying to bring in people that have yachts. Sure. Oh, so I'm just, it, it has nothing to do with that, right? No, but cool. it should because we'll want to be on a boat. Is it like a family friend? Not family friendly. I guess like you don't want to put your kids on that app, obviously. But like, is it, it sounds kind of skeevy. Like I'm imagining, ac- it's an acronym, I assume. Ship, single, horny, independent dudes could be. Wait, what, should? How about, what about should. people? <laughs> yeah, people. Should. You <laughs> know. Yeah. Should. Yeah, should. I don't know, man. But yeah, they can okay. find us on there. Look us up. And then obviously at freshhopcinema.com, the website that we update every single second yes, of every day yes we do it's pretty up to date with all the newest reviews uh links to the, the episodes to listen it's uh, our online home yeah and it's lovely it's we feel very safe there you can also see what we're covering in the future yep in terms of movies exactly. not for beer because we don't plan beers that far in advance no we decided what beers we were doing like an hour ago yeah yep and i think that works well because a lot of the time we'll find stuff that we forgot about in our little cellar i was like what? oh we could do this we live wild we live free Sure. We live dangerous. Though, actually, in this case, we did not get either of these from our seller from very long ago. These were both donated to the show, we'll say. Yeah. Uh, one from our friend Miyagi. This is a treehouse beer uh, that we'll get into in a minute here. And the other is a beer from the brewery from our friend Chris. Yeah. So thanks, guys. Word up. You guys are the coolest. The coolest of the cools. A big shouty McShout out right at the top of the show to, to Nick Land and Miyagi. Mm. A couple of Patreon friends of the show, long time. Sure. Uh, recent winners of a rib cook-off. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so those guys did a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah, there was a whole big event for uh, for money being raised for um, recovery from the campfire. Yeah. Paradise. Ribs, and ribs for the Ridge. Yeah, The uh, it was a rematch, they called it. Uh, they had one, I think it was last year, obviously. That's or earlier done. this year. Yeah, one of the two. It was uh, the second. The second. Perfect. We'll call it the second. Uh, so to everybody that participated, thanks. You were doing a great thing. Yeah, I know. I, th- uh, I saw Jared Schmidt and... John Wallum, I believe, mm-hmm. were the only other... Oh, boy, this feels risky. I bet you there's somebody. Of, of all the people we follow and follow us, those are the two that I saw out there. So good okay. job, everyone, cool. at least that I saw. And if you were there supporting or stuffing ribs into your face to support, you know, it's the Lord's work. Someone's got to do it. That's a good point. Okay. So, um, so moving right along. Let's jump into this treehouse beer. Treehouse, if you don't know, is a... It's hard to jump into a treehouse. I would. It's true. But it's going to be easy to jump into this beer, I think. Uh, Treehouse Brewery, very famous, um, very much sought after in terms of rare craft beers. Oftentimes those beers are hazy IPAs. 
This is no exception. But Johnny, what is the beer that you are so graciously pouring into our little tulip glasses? It is Doppelganger. <laughs> I love how you said it. It is a double IPA, clocking in at 8% by volume. Okay. Uh, yeah. The can is lovely. I'm going to say that first of all. It's a really pretty. It's luscious blue and blue on the cans are great. Blue on light blue. Uh, yeah. So what the can says is we are excited that you are holding a Treehouse Brewing Company's big brother to alter ego, uh, Doppelganger. It builds upon alter ego with an amplified kettle and dry hop, resulting in a hugely tropical beer with notes of papaya, the mango, peach. It is the result of our uncompromising dedication to fresh, progressive, and delightful beer. We hope you enjoy it with laughter, good cheer, and in the company of those you love. Well, we've laughed. Max, Max's face always cheers me up, and, so and nice. I do love him, so you're welcome, Treehouse. Sure. You're I, welcome. I guess we should shout out uh, Miyagi one more time that also gave us an alter ego. It's the single version of this beer. But uh, we drank it immediately. We drank it, uh, didn't know if we were going to have time to um, get all of these in the show, and if you know anything about IPAs, the fresher the better is sort of the general rule of thumb. So we figured we'd get sort of a base um, on our palates. Uh, if you don't know Alter Ego, it's a 6.8% IPA, very similar uh, in flavor profile to what I expect this to be. Um, so I won't uh, waste your time with it anymore. But you, after your first sip, are making something of a puzzled face. Hmm. I'm wondering if you're worried about the way it's tasting and why that might be. I am. It has uh, a bit of an off flavor to it. It's got a little funk, man. Uh, it's fresh. It was brewed yep, about five weeks ago. About five, weeks five weeks ago. ago. Uh, it might have gotten hot. Oh, no. Um, if this was mailed, uh, it definitely has kind of that a little bit of the wet cardboard thing when IPAs get off. Oh, it's so slight, though. It's right you fit, like right at the end, right? Just like a yeah. little bit like that. Yeah. I don't actually know if I feel that as strongly as you do. Um, but I also read your face and processed it for like 30 seconds. So maybe I just expected more. No one should process my face for a full yeah, 30 we do. seconds. We do all just, the time. I just stare at you for an hour. Yeah, it's, I don't know how you still do this. I don't, I'm going to actually disagree with you. I don't find that flavor at all. I think that might be just like the papaya and yeah. the hops. And I, yeah. Because the, there's like a malty hoppiness that's not biting. Mm-hmm. And like that fruitiness kind of melts itself into like a, an interesting flavor that's not uh, maybe something I'm familiar with as far as a beer. Wow, this yeah. is 100 out of a hundred, so yeah. So sometimes we look on uh, on Beer Advocate, which is a, a, a kind of a group forum to for well for beer nerds and stuff. Um, and yeah, it's got a it's got a world class score here. It's got a hundred out of a possible one hundred, um, which is very good. The average rating is a four point five nine out of five, so pretty good. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I'd rank it that high I, personally. Honestly, I definitely don't. Um, but maybe that is a personal taste thing. Um, I would love to try this on draft, I, but I do think to, to to speak to your point about the flavors here, I would liken that more to like yeah, like a tropical fruit mixed with kind of this hazy body, mm-hmm. and and that's fine. It doesn't bother me at all. Yeah, I think getting past that, it's it's a more enjoyable beer, but it's I don't know. It definitely initially struck me as kind of odd, not bad, but just different. Yeah, so I actually have a tendency when we drink beer to, and I think maybe most people do because it is the part of the drinking experience that stays with you literally the longest, which is the aftertaste. Mm-hmm. Um, but on my second drink there, what I noticed was the the upfront taste is actually really, really bright mm. um, and really, uh, really enjoyable, more so than I realized on the first drink. I get a lot of that, like a lot of papaya, and we've said it a couple of times, so it's in my brain, but um, papaya and, and certainly kind of like a summery peach flavor is front and center. Mm-hmm. I also like that it's not overly carbonated. I think it's got a nice, even body here. Carbonation's good. 
Um, it doesn't leave too sweet or too bitter, which is a great balance, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm actually a big fan of this. It's still not a hundred for me, but you know, it's really good. Yeah, you can't just give out hundreds, man. Not willy nilly. There's nowhere to go from there. No. What if you have a beer next week that's better? I know. Too bad. You can't have that. It's not better. Yeah. No. Yeah. You can't put yourself in a box. Although you can have a perfect beer and you can have another perfect beer. So I guess from that perspective, yeah. it could be like you could have a perfect this and then a perfect stout. They mm-hmm. don't have to compete Yeah, but then next year you have another IPA that's mm-hmm. perfect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it though? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard. I guess you evolve over time. Certainly like our favorite beers or movies from five years ago wouldn't maybe hold up. Yeah. I, I would just change the verbiage and say like, oh, this is my favorite IPA so far. Sure. You okay. Know? Yeah. But give yourself room to change yeah. your mind. I like that. In all things. Yeah. Philosophical and alcoholic. Yeah, alcoholical. Alcoholical. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I'm as big of a fan of this beer as you are. I don't think you are either. I think it's just fine. Okay. Uh, fine leaning towards good or fine leaning towards underwhelming? Fine leaning towards medium fine. And I know that's kind that's, of... Just, yeah, just doubling yeah, down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a double. I'm doubling down. That's fine. It's Obviously. Fine. How many times can we say fine? I don't know, right man. Now? I can't get it out of my, my lingo. Well... That's... You know, what can you do? <laughs> I almost did it again. Yeah. You're the worst. It's my default. It's 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 kind of my philosophy in life, which becomes more, like, if you want to look at that as a negative thing, you can, or it can be an optimistic, like, it's fine. We're getting through this no matter what, so who cares? It's all about the inflection, bro. Yeah, pretty much. What emphasis. So, uh, this is fine for you. So, if you had to give that a number out of 10, where do you think you'd land? Uh, honestly, I'm... I love you, Miyagi, uh, but this beer's this clocking in for me at like a six eight. All right, he, I mean, he didn't make the beer. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't think it reflects. No, I know. I just, uh, you know, uh, we're literally looking a gift beer in the mouth. That's true. Know? So it's it was a gift in order to evaluate. So evaluated, I shall. And my Fair. my mouth hole does not like this very much. Okay, uh, can you jot down your six point eight? Because I'm not taking notes this week, uh, and I want to remember that for the website freshhopcinema.com that we keep very up to date. Um. So I actually really like this. I'm, I enjoy this quite a bit. It's very tasty. I'm going to give it like an 8.5. I might even creep up to a 9 by the time I get down to this glass. I'm not positive. But I feel very strongly that this is very tasty. I love the word doppelganger. doesn't hurt the score at all. Uh, how many Treehouse beers would you say you've had? 10, 12. Really? Yeah. I don't mean – I'm saying different ones? Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, I asked oh, maybe that's question. that's high. I don't know if they do that. That's what I was going to say. It seems way high. I can think of six or seven immediately. Is very green them? Yeah. We did that pretty recently, did we not? Yes. Green, very green, alter ego. Julius, we both Julius, had. Julius, King Julius. King Julius, sure. They do like a haze. Yeah. They do lights out. We did okay. on the show, I think. Uh, There's, they do a bunch of beer. Okay. And they do a bunch of coffee stouts now, too. So. Oh, weird. They just started doing coffee. That's what you told me the other night. Gotta get yeah. some of them beans, son. Yeah. I'm always so leery about that kind of thing. I think yeah. Modern Times does it pretty well, but I don't, I don't know if people I like, jump on the bandwagon. I like Modern Times beans. I like their regular beans so much more than their barrel-aged beans. Their barrel-aged beans suck. It's a gimmick. It's a, it's They ugh. just take on too much barrel. Yeah. And it's... But then things, when you pour hot water through it, becomes, it becomes biting and even more bitter. Yeah. It's like, I don't want that. Unless... I haven't tasted one that is not that, so... I haven't Maybe either. it exists. Oh, and they did one that was uh, red wine barrels, and it was just... That's weird. Huh. It was so... Yeah, like, great idea for beer. Yeah. I think. But co- do you want coffee and red wine? Does that sound like a good flavor? It'd have to be a very specific red wine. Like, 
I don't know. Even then, like, yeah, I don't think it's adding the like the the sharpness and kind of the tang. Mm. Yep, or the tannins. Literally, yeah, the tannins from, from the wine. You get that kind of like the biting sort of acidity mm-hmm. that coffee already has. It's just like a different side of the acidity spectrum. Yeah. Like you don't want that on your palate. The the reason that that coffee works well um, with cream is that it mellows that out. Like it, mm-hmm. you get sort of this full bodied balance, and then well, there's like unless you really like that, or you buy a a different variety of coffee or just brew it in something that doesn't draw out the acidity. Uh, looking at you, Chemex brewers, mm-hmm. what up? But yeah, no, you don't want that. I have uh, a, uh, a Mr. Coffee. Does that, what does that the do exact, for acidity? It's the worst thing. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Well, it just, I mean, like auto drip systems are, they, you don't you don't really get much control over your coffee. Um, so that's, it's already a bad start, but then also, uh, yeah, you just get paper filters and it just runs hot water through it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fine. It's all basically fine. an automatic Chemex. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's fine. This is my coffee podcast. We don't have to dwell on it, right? I, know. I just wanted to irritate. If you. you like it, you like it. That's the point, I guess. Try, it yeah. works. Yeah, it's fine. I happen to know what I like. I won't be trying Treehouse's coffee probably, and I'm not going to try Modern Times red wine barrel aged coffee. No, not for me. I would revisit some other ones that aren't barrel aged. Yeah, yeah. They have like a black house, but even those are like, are they beer aged? I don't really get. No, or they just named after. Black their house beers? is the black house is their their year round coffee stout, and they roasted their own coffee to use as an adjunct in that stout. Oh, okay. So it's not that the beer That's tastes cool. like the coffee. The coffee or the, uh, yeah, reverse that. Yep. So which I'm into. That's that could be fun. Yeah. Yeah. But bringing it back around to this beer, would you revisit it? Would I like drink this again? Yeah. Doppelganger. Yeah. Absolutely. Happily. I would love, so we didn't say this at the top, but Treehouse is all the way in Massachusetts, which, uh, again, we're in California. I don't make it to Old Mass very often, um, which is not. I just realized uh, what people say. It's Old Miss, and that's a sports team, I'm pretty sure. But yeah, I don't get out there. I don't think I've ever been to Massachusetts. Maybe once. Never been to Boston. No, I've been to Boston. Yeah, I was there on tour. That's, okay. that's, that's in Massachusetts. That's where that is. Um, Every time. That's why it sounded familiar. Yeah. Yep. Um, <laughs> so I should have gone. Didn't. Would like to again. I'd like to try all of their beers fresh, particularly this one, to see if the what you might call slightly cardboardy, what I might call uh, a little bit of a multi finish, goes away when it's perfectly brand spanking fresh. Also, it'd be just be a dope place to visit. And that as a beer enthusiast, should go in the fall. It's beautiful over there. Totally, you should do another uh, you know song fundraiser for your next tour. Sure. Yeah, it'd be cool. Yeah, we'll talk about how I'm bothered. I need a pen. I gotta make <laughs> notes. I don't know what I'm. I'm a madman today. All right, I'm not taking notes this week. I know. Yeah, Psycho. that lasted all of what ten minutes. If that, I think it's fifteen. All right, ladies and gentlemen,s that was Doppelganger from the Treehouse Brewings in Massachusetts. That's a six point eight from me, and it's a nine from Max. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, yep. That's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's a great beer. Yeah. Yeah, I would happily have this again. Thanks again, Miyagi. This is awesome. Word up. He's a good friend of the show. So the next part of this show is always where we talk about a movie or movies that we've seen in the last week that we think were really cool. Yeah. Or maybe that were terrible. Right. Like we usually miss them the first time around or weren't born when they were released. There is that. So that's, it's called Flick Picks. I don't know if you know this, but there's a lot of content in the world. There is. There is a lot. It's real hard to keep up. Uh, so yours, my friend, is one that I've seen um, maybe a year, year and a half ago that you were just now catching up to. Yeah. Tell I watched a movie called American Honey. Love it. Yep. It Tell stars Shia LaBeouf mm-hmm. and Sasha Lane, who was uh, previously unknown. She was discovered on a beach during spring break uh, uh, by the director, 20 years old. Yeah. Stars in this movie. Basically, the whole cast revolves around those two. 
there's kind of a whole whole string of people in this movie. Uh, it was directed by Andrea Arnold. Is that correct? I would say Andrea. Andrea. Arnold's a very, uh, I would say, uh, uh, Anglo-Saxon sounding name. So I had their Andrea, but that's... Yeah. Who cares? I think it's personal preference. <laughs> yeah. Yeah whatever, yeah. whatever she prefers. But this movie came out in 2016. Yeah. That's the director. Those are the two main characters of the cast. And it was a real, real treat. It was kind of a um, nutshell review. It was a kind of a forgotten youth type film that was centered around a road trip uh, and all of these different things that ensued while these kids were just trying to make a buck to survive selling magazines uh, and kind of forming their own misfit family as they venture across the United States, learning different life lessons, building relationships, having relationships crumble. Uh, it was a really interesting look into you know the dichotomy of wealth and poverty in this country, too. You could look at it as an allegory for the economy and the disparity of wealth in this country sure. and how a lot of people are of a demographic that feel forgotten about and desperate. Um, it was a really interesting movie, though. I really liked... Uh, the grittiness of it, the realness of it, it was, it was refreshing. That all the characters seemed very not like done up. It wasn't mm-hmm. super overproduced. It was, it was a very real film. It felt very almost documentary esque. Yeah. And Sasha Lane totally stole this movie for me. Yeah. She's, like seeing that, I, I'm shocked she hasn't been in more stuff since. She's been in one thing since. Yes. Uh, you want to do it? No. Uh, it, I think it's the only other time we've talked about her, but she was in Hearts Beat Loud. Yes. Um, she, she was the friend. Yeah, slash romantic interest of the lead. Yeah. Uh, which is great. Um, yes. She's got a very like unique look mm-hmm. about her. Um, and yeah, she's she's phenomenal in, in American Honey. She was great in Hearts Beat Loud. Um, but yeah, it really, if I remember correctly, like I, I remember enjoying this movie. It's very... Um, did you ever see The Florida Project? Mm-hmm. Okay. No, I'm oh, sorry. No. Okay. Um, but it's it's very much like a snapshot of um, an under recognized portion of the American public. Basically, so, some people have said uh, the Florida Project is Willem Dafoe's best work. Mm, I would fight that pretty hard. But yeah, he's really good in it. He's well, not even a main character. He is, but he's doesn't. I don't know. Okay, we could hash that. I would. I would love to talk about. The, we should watch that. And we'll talk about it. That one's worth a watch too. For the, sure. It's the, called the Florida Project. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's really really good. Okay. Um. But but there's movies like this that are similarly aesthetics they have similar aesthetics in that it's like it's people that are not typically hollywood stars and and the lifestyles in them are similar totally like you a little, this, little rough around the edges yeah you said there's a road trip movie and i would almost push back only just semantically because like a road trip kind of indicates that you have a destination and right. it's sort of the, they're just going they're traveling yeah like this know? is a band of misfit kids that are getting by selling i think magazines yep. to subscriptions to rich people mm-hmm. um and trying to make a buck and like just having a good time and burning the candle at both ends living their life because that's the point of life is just to go through it and uh make the most of it yeah it was a really kind of an interesting think piece. Yeah. There's a there's a whole tangent in this movie where she decides to leave the group and goes and hangs out with rich people, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, without saying too much. I, I, I remember thinking that scene was uh, – it kind of freaked me out because like, you see this new side of her that you didn't know existed. Yeah. Um, and she was in, I mean, objectively quite a bit of danger. The whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, dude. Like the whole time I was yeah. scared for her. I was so stressed out. Like – I wanted to just like keep her safe. Like, yeah, it, the totally. whole movie would just gave me anxiety like that. But yeah, I feel like there's a nice tie-in between that movie and this movie, which is, or sorry, the movie we'll talk about, ready or not. Um, which to quote the movie directly, which is why I feel okay with it. There's a common theme of being like 
fucking rich people. Mm-hmm. Just like yep. so strongly in both of these films, which uh, I really like that you picked this for your flick pick. Well, it was an enjoyable uh, movie. I, I took your recommendation. It's been on my list for a long time, and it's one of those ones that like I need to just watch this because um, sneak preview. Mm. We're doing another Shia LaBeouf movie next week. Yes, we are. So I thought it would be really fun to see kind of his dramatic debut yeah. as an actor in American Honey. And then we'll follow this review up next week with our review of Peanut Butter Falcon. Yes. So I'm super excited That's for gonna that. Be great. So it's yeah. a little little double dip on the Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, dude. Do you actually say LaBeouf seriously? No, it's okay. funny. Though. I'm not sure. Because again, like, not again. There's on bonus content, but... Uh, you just nothing. I was like, I don't know if you're joking. I mean, I know it's not rocket surgery, but you're not. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dead serious. All right. Did you ever see that video uh, of the stage production? The Shia LaBeouf? Oh, I loved it. Shia LaBeouf is uh, coming for you. Rob something is the guy's name that made it. Yeah. It's, Shia LaBeouf's a weird guy. Yeah. He's done some weird stuff. And he was in like a Sia video where he did sure. some really cool dancing. Okay. Like crazy. He's just kind of out there. But yeah. I think he hit his stride and like went up as an actor, like child actor pretty much. Yes. Started on Even, even Stevens. Stevens. Yeah. And then kind of just did a bunch of weird stuff. And now he's kind of settling into some more serious dramatic roles. Yeah, dude. It was weird. Like he's a really fascinating character study, I think, because you do have like the weird um, stuff, like the the music video you're talking about. Um, he also like got really, I don't want to say famous. He's already famous, but caught a lot of attention from like booking a theater and playing all of his movies back to back and just watching them and live streaming himself watching his movies. Did That's, you know this? No. Oh, it's it's awesome. That's crazy. Like you can see him like laughing and crying at his own. <laughs> it's so weird. That is out there. But yeah, it was like even Stevens uh Transformers franchise. Holes. Holes, which is great. Huge I'll movie. I'll stick by that movie forever. It was good. But then yeah, like plummeted I think after the Michael Bay stuff. Uh just like too much of that. Uh, got I think kicked out of that franchise. I don't know for no Megan Fox did for sure, but whatever. Then dipped into some Lars von Trier territory with Nymphomaniac. Uh, where, oh, was he in that? Yeah, uh, full frontal, very naked, very graphic sexual stuff with him. Wow, which I didn't necessarily need in my life, but I have it nonetheless. Shia LaBeouf is coming for you. Yeah, and now he's kind of I think on sort of a stabilizing trajectory and doing some really cool stuff. I think he's a talented dude. He was in that. Uh, oh, I wish I could think of it. It was a World War II movie with Brad Pitt. He was in a tank. There were other people. Fury. Fury. Great movie. Pretty good movie. I liked it a lot. I did too. It was very good. Um, so I think he's going to level out. He's like, what, 30 something? Yeah. He's still two. pretty young. He yeah. hasn't peaked yet. And yeah. I have really high hopes for Peanut Butter Falcon next week. I do too, man. I'm really rooting for that because I can see how that movie, if you don't know anything about it, go watch a trailer. Yeah. Um, but I could see how it is. Just, it could just be like just overly cheesy and um, just like with really predictable beats. I'm hoping that's not the case. Yeah, me too. I've been caping pretty hard to go see that, mm-hmm. so I'm glad we're doing it on the show. So, yeah. That's been part one of uh, Shia LaBeouf month. Where can people watch American Honey? I watched this on Netflix. Oh, really? Super accessible. Nice, dude. Just push two buttons. Nice. Or if you're like me, tell your remote to play it Whoa. because I live with robots and yeah, stuff. It's weird, fair. man. Yeah. Go check it out if you want. That's it. And Wait, out of 10, what would you give it? Ooh, I out of 10, I would say like 8-3. Nice. Yeah. Okay. It's solid. Yeah. There was a few things I didn't like about it, but overall, very good movie with some great acting and mm-hmm. uh, compelling storylines, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. I guess my last little bit there is that, so like you get these great character development with Sasha Lane's character and Shia LaBeouf to some extent, but it's mostly about her, if mm-hmm. I remember correctly. Um, but so much of that movie is about the feeling that it evokes, mm-hmm. which reminds me of a movie I talked about either last week or the week before, uh, The Beach Bum. Yeah. Which is by the same director as Spring Breakers, which reminds me of the movie we have on the wall, Never Going Back, which kind of reminds me of the Florida Project. 
and they all have like this same like middle class underappreciated people sort of snapshot of life stuff. So if you like any of the movies I just listed, you'll be interested in American Honey, I think. Definitely. And it's worth your time. We both will recommend it. Yeah, I would okay. endorse it for sure. Okay. Well, when we come back from the break, we're yeah. going to dive deep into some horror, survival, comedy, family mystery. Yeah. Yeah. In, uh, in what's it called? I don't know what it's called. Are you ready? Sure. Or not. Uh, no Re- spoilers yet. Ready or not. All we'll right. be right back with our movie of the week. Folks, you've heard the show before, and if you haven't, I want to let you know about a great little craft beer bar and restaurant right here in Chico called The Handlebar. Johnny, tell them about their happy hour, please. You know, it's seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. You're going to get a dollar off any draft beer. There's cocktail specials and half off every single bottle of wine. That's also in addition to their amazing selection of quite tasty food, and uh, I think you'd really enjoy it. It's one of my favorite places to eat in town. Again, great drink specials seven days a week. They've got a patio that's dog-friendly. Plus, they support this show, and they're a great local business. That's The Handlebar, 2070 East 20th Street, right here in Chico. Go check them out. I can't believe that in half an hour, I will be a part of the Ladomus Gaming Dynasty Empire. Uh, Dominion. We prefer Dominion. I honestly can't wait to be a part of your family. There's just one more thing. And then you are officially part of the family. So at midnight, you have to play a game. Why? It's just something we do when someone new joins the family. A game. What game? Hide and seek? Are we really going to play that? Well, the rules are simple. You can hide anywhere we then try to find you so there's no way for me to win right I mean, stay hidden till dawn <laughs> no thank you good luck what the hell is this how old is this thing i know you're in here Jesus, you shot the maid. Does she look like she's wearing a giant white wedding dress? Emily? <gasps> Holy shit! I had to play along so that I can get you out. It's insane. They think they have to kill you before sunrise. Or something very bad will happen to the family. If we don't find her and perform the ritual, we're all dead. Found her. That was a trailer for Ready or Not. It is a film that came out August 21st, 2019. It's an hour and a half long as of the 26th of August. It's made $11.8 million. It's rated R. I'll tell you that for a couple reasons that we'll get into in a minute. Johnny, who is in this film? So we've got our main character, the heroine of the film, named Grace, played by Samara Weaving. We've got Adam Brody playing Daniel DeLomas. I just or Ladomus. Yeah. I was gonna I was reading it, I was like, I think it's Delomus. Wait, no. Ladomus. Yeah. Mark O'Brien plays Alex Delomus. Henry Zerny plays Tony Delomus. And Andy McDowell plays Becky Delomus. Yeah. There's other people we'll maybe get into if we want to. Um but this is directed by Matt Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillette, uh, written by Guy Busick and Ryan Murphy. Uh this woman, Grace, wants to marry into this rich family, and uh they're a little weird. They want to play hide and seek on her wedding night. And they try to kill her because of reasons. Yep. Um, I think off the bat, it is safe to say this is not a movie particularly um, spoiler heavy um, without giving anything away. The ending, I would say, is somewhat predictable, though it is played off as a twist. 
So I will dance around it in case people want to not be spoiled. Um, and I guess immediately, Johnny, what did you think of this movie? Is well, what I'd like to know. You know, I thought lots of things about this movie. I went into this as kind of the the resident horror movie nerd of this podcast, and I had high hopes, moderate expectations. Yeah. I didn't have high hopes because wasn't familiar with really any of the actors short of like Adam Brody from like the OC yeah. in this movie. Um, the, the the whole plot looked like it could be interesting when done right, but it's also a very similar plot to several movies, namely the film You're Next, which in my opinion is completely head and shoulders above this movie. So this is trying to be kind of a B-movie like in cheesy sense? horror film in the over the topness of everything and like the just gritty grindhouse, just kind of just the B movie horror vibe of it. Yeah. And it's also trying to be like visually, aesthetically, a very serious suspense film. And that's trying to live in both of these worlds. And to me, the two paths really don't intersect smoothly or in a way that makes a lot of sense. I think if this movie would have stuck to one or the either other, you know, pick one of those lanes and then drive in it the whole time and really try and make it as good as it can be in one style or the other. And to me, it should have been more straightforward horror suspense. Like there was a lot of attempts at humor in this movie that really are what kind of added to the B moviness of it. Like that forced humor felt so out of place in such a well shot scene. Um, it really felt like it was trying to be a suspense with like sprinkles of comedy. And to me, this movie was essentially just confused about what it was and how it wanted to get to where it was going. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I didn't like it for a lot of specific horror nerd reasons, but also for the fact that as a movie, it was all over the place. It was not very consistent and it really just, um, it struggled. It limped through the plot and then mm. got to an ending that was, um, quite frankly, ridiculous and mm. less than satisfying and didn't really uh, work for me at all. So that's my review. Not not a fan. Sure. Didn't didn't do for me. A lot of problems with this movie. I feel really similar. Um, it's, it's always a risky thing to, to throw out a movie that tries to balance comedy with horror, I think. Um, because so often you can get something like this. Uh, the addition of the B-movie tone to this makes it even more of a confusing cocktail. Mm -hmm. But if you take a movie, basically without the B-movie factor, you have you could have a horror movie that is sprinkled with humor, which can work. I would say like Get Out mm -hmm. is that. Or you could have a comedy movie dressed up as a horror film. Mm -hmm. Take like your Tucker and Dale versus Evil, oh, uh, your movie. Cabin in the Woods. Yep. Those are all movies that that on the surface, if you don't hear the dialogue, you just look at the premise. It's a it's a terrifying movie. Yeah, but Tucker and Dale had such good comedic writing. It was fantastic, and it's it's because it was not trying to kind of weave this needle poorly. Mm -hmm. It knew that it was a funny movie that was going to frame itself around a horror scenario. Yeah, and for me, like the horror elements of this movie tried to take themselves too seriously with the suspense. If they would have just like upped the gore factor to like five notches above where it was and just went like over the top and made this into like a splatter fest. It would have cut through the, the beautiful cinematic approach that they took mm -hmm. and added that full B movie flair that would have made this movie more cohesive. I don't know. Cause I feel like, I mean, 
aside from the literal pun of the Splatterfest that, uh, that nobody will understand if they haven't seen it, so it's fine. Um, there is a lot of gore here that I think does kind of hit that cheesiness, like, um, or even just the visual gag of an old woman with an axe. Yeah. I think that plays well into the comedic side and not so seriously. Um, but the the game is hide and seek that she has to play. That's a very scary thing. If you're going to be murdered and you have to hide, that's a great spin. It's a great idea. Could have been done very well. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you in that the moments where she is hiding and running um, are played too seriously. Yeah. Well, and to me, all the violence is played too seriously. That's the difference all between. Yes. I don't know about that. Um, a lot of it. Well, the ending aside. Okay. The, major, the majority of the film. Aside from the last 10 minutes, most of the violence, all of the violence is played seriously with maybe a couple bad jokes after, but the actual violence and the way things happen, it's it's almost trying to be played off as too serious of like a horror suspense movie. I think if they would have gone a bit more over the top with it, it would have made more sense for the bad jokes to happen. It would have fit this movie better overall because there's, there's that line in horror between cheesy like over the top violence and like scary gory violence Mm -hmm. that like creeps you out um Mm -hmm. and this movie tried to walk the line of being on the side of creepy scary violence when it should have gone silly over the top violence to me that would have fit better with the script personally i I agree with the the premise i think that i still don't disagree or i don't just don't agree what is wrong with me i don't agree with the idea that the violence was all played seriously I'm trying to like recap the movie. Not played seriously, but done in a serious way. The actual violence that happens. Let's talk about one that is spoiled in the trailer. We hear that a maid gets shot. Mm-hmm. Um, I would make the case that that entire scene is a joke. Yes. And there are a bunch more scenes that we can or cannot get into um, in terms of spoilers that we could talk about. But all the ones that I'm thinking about are either either a joke while they're happening uh, because you see what's about to happen or it's a joke the whole time or immediately after it's very funny. See, I want less of the jokes after and more of the cheesy, silly over the top violence to be the joke. Okay. Like that would be better. That would fit more of the aesthetic of this movie. Yeah. That's the difference that I'm looking for. Okay. Is like, and the way that it's sprinkled in, like I would up the frequency, Mm -hmm. you know, honestly, I would have had this movie be probably twice as violent. Well, that's the problem here too, because you have sort of this confined area. So you, you have a limited cast. Yeah. If you want to dole it out over an hour and a half, like you do have to be kind of sparse. So I get that. Yeah. I think everybody could have got more messed up. But yeah. And they could have had more maids or something like you could do it that way. Absolutely. You could have more, you know, rich people. They could have servants. They could have all sorts of stuff. Although I don't know that I would make the case that would have made it a better movie. I don't think it would have made it a better movie. It would have made it a better cheesy horror movie. It would have made this movie with the script we were presented with more enjoyable. Sure. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, um, so those, I was going to, I was jumping on your thoughts a little bit there, but um, I'm, I think I'm in a in similar boat as you. I didn't love it. It wasn't like you're saying funny enough to really qualify as like a cabin in the woods, Tucker and Dale type movie. I mean, it wasn't scary enough to be a get out yeah. Um, be more of one or the other. Yeah. I think it's, yeah. Pick your lane, stick in it and then uh, double down if you want. But there was a lot of sort of, um, yeah, not just like tonal differences here throughout the movie, but um, thematic plot stuff was kind of weird. Like, um, are you okay talking about kind of the origin of this family briefly? Sure. Yeah. That's, that's, wealth that's within the first like yeah. 15 minutes of um, the movie. And yeah. Plus and, that's spoiled um, in the trailer where they have oh, their money from. Okay. They're a board game 
dynasty. Oh, I mean, I mean more of the backstory. Oh, like yeah, yeah. You, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, basically, like the 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 patriarch of their family signed basically a deal with the devil, like a couple hundred years ago. Yes. So now every year when somebody new is added to the family, they have to give this. There's a whole lot of like exposition for a good 25 minutes here. Yeah. Um, there's not a magic, show magic box. Movie. Yeah. Right. And it, the devil basically picks or Mister Labale. Yeah, something like that. Grandpa didn't know it was the devil, but it was. The older devil. Uh, And then once a year when somebody's added to the family, they have to put a card and then he picks the the game they have to play. And every now and again, it's hide and seek. And that's when they have to kill the person before sunrise. And it's not once a year. It's whenever somebody in the family is getting married. He said both things. They'd get somebody every year. It's fine. Um, And that's just, I don't know. It's a cool idea that could have been done so well, I think. In a very, I don't think this was ever going to be a serious movie. So they were in the right direction. Yeah. But it could have been a lot better. For sure. And then bringing in the B movie factor. Mm-hmm. If it is a B horror movie, I want cheesy, cringy lines. Mm-hmm. And I want over the top gore and violence and like maybe some goofy songs. Yeah. But the lines weren't, they didn't, they were some B movie lines, but they didn't quite fit. The father of this sure. family yep. was the most B movie. And yes. I, to me, he was nailing it, but he was nailing the whole B movie over the top mm-hmm. acting so well that he was out of place. Yeah, it's almost like they were all given different scripts, like, right? Like you have a fiance, um, Alex, who is played by somebody, uh, Mark, Mark O'Brien, O'Brien, who who like they didn't know about the tone of the movie until like maybe the last act or not even the last act, the last scene. Right? He's like just playing the genuine concerned, um, trying to get his fiance out of or wife out of there. Yeah. And and then yeah, like you're saying, like the dad Tony played by Henry Zerny is just like hamming it up, yeah, just a crazy goofball villain with the biggest guns he can find, like Did the, screaming, at the, like it's great, <laughs> the biggest mustache to twirl, sure, but it doesn't, yeah. none of it, it's not cohesive, no. And and then Samara Weaving, who plays Grace, is kind of somewhere she's forced to be kind of in between. She's interacting with all these different characters, yeah, and and I think that forces the movie to to divide itself uh, against its will. I agree, and that's a bummer. It is. It, it had potential, but I think it fell short very significantly for both of us. And yep. quite frankly, I'm ready to rate it. I am too. Why don't you go first, though? It's a 4.2. It's higher than I thought you were going to go. Yeah, well, it was not the worst movie I've ever seen. Would it you was... watch it again? Would you rent it? No. Would you watch it if it was on? I'd put it on in the background Yeah. and play games on my phone. So that's the category this falls into. Maybe maybe like a 3.2, honestly. You going down? Yeah. Okay. I'm going down. It's a three, two. Okay. It's a three for me. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't put this on again. If it was on, I would change the channel. Yeah. But I'd I didn't rather, have a terrible time watching it. I'd so. rather watch reruns of the office or sure. Like it made me think of movies. I'm going to just spit out a few horror movie uh, suggestions that are very similar in vibe and feeling, but will Better. be much more satisfying a movie called high tension. Okay. Movie called, uh, would you rather? And a movie called your next yeah, what is that? Any second time you mentioned it's that. essentially uh, a young woman's invited to a dinner party that leads to people trying to kill her. Sure. So real similar premise, yeah. uh, and it's done superbly well. And okay. there's organic, funny things that happen in it, and it's a much more gritty, real survival horror film. Yeah, uh, I would 100% watch your next over this. Okay. So please, if you want to watch this, don't watch that sure. instead. I also like. An important part of this movie is family dynamics and, and it just, none of it, none of it connects. Like we get some little bits of character interactions. Like there's a scene before their wedding with, um, with Grace and Alex and 
like they're there. You can tell he's estranged from his family and he's like, they're weird. And she's like, are they, I want to be part of the family. He's like, well, okay. And I don't buy, that's the problem here. That's sorry to keep going, but I, this is, I think important. You have to buy the premise. Mm -hmm. The reason she's in this situation is because he did not tell her this. And that's wrapped up because they're basically like, well, it's never hide and seek except like 30 years ago when I saw it as a kid, Yeah. but I won't even mention it. Yep. Like you're going to put her in the person that you love in danger because you think, I don't know. But the chances are slim. Yeah. And and then there's the whole fact or the question of like, is this even real? What's going to happen yeah. if we don't play this game? And to go a bit more meta uh, in the same vein that you're speaking to just the character development yeah. was so poor. We have zero time to get to know our two main characters, mm-hmm. particularly our main character, Grace. Yeah. Uh, I think I would rather have 20 minutes of character development with her yes. versus a 20 minute discussion of how a magic box works. Absolutely. I, it's not important necessarily to know the backstory for, yeah, the mechanics of the, of the rituals or the games or the history. Yeah. Like get me people I'm invested in. Exactly. And without that, there's no stakes. And no. therefore when there's no stakes, there's no investment and no empathy yep. and no a direct involvement in this movie. So yeah. And many things that they did wrong. Yes. But such is life. There's a lot of movies. Uh, they can't all be winners. Right. Well, that's ready or not. It's in theaters. If you want to go check it out, you can. If you don't want to, watch some of the movies Johnny suggested. We are going to enter the danger zone after a break. We're going to talk about a second beer from the brewery, Teru. Uh, and we're going to get into some uh, hot and bothered stuff. And then we're also going to talk about some spoilers for this movie. Uh, consider this your second to last warning. And it's just the brewery. Oh, is it not all the same the, thing? The brewery Turo is their sour brewery. I always thought it was the, oh, I just thought they were saving uh, ink. Time and ink. It's no, just a, no, they're two separate oh, things. Oh, okay. So, okay. Well, thanks Sorry for Sorry to correct you no, on no, no, there. That's a, great, that's a great thing to correct. No worries, man, because it'd be really weird if this beer was sour. I would be bothered. Yeah, that would that. suck. I, would I hope it's not. To that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. anyways, we'll be back with the Danger Zone. Spoilers and foul language ahead. Uh, hide your children. Danger Zone. 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 So, look, man, you better talk about this. Do you know about this beer before the other night? Or? Why are you yelling at me? Yeah, I helped pick it up. All right, you better go. Okay. I was going to do it, but I don't, I've just I've only seen this beer in my fridge for the few days I've had it. So I'm excited about it. I am too. It's, I'm really excited about it. Is this like the third? Uh, no, never mind. It's yeah. the second. It doesn't matter. Hush. Mm-hmm. The brewery. Vermont Sticky Maple is an imperial stout aged in bourbon barrels with maple syrup and natural flavor added. It's clocking in at 11.3%. We're going to be drinking out of a 16-ounce tall can. Uh, Let's see what they say on the back. It says, with maple syrup from Butternut Mountain Farm... The Vermont Maple Sugar Company. Can you think of like a more East Coasty sounding like family maple syrup farm? The Butternut (laughs) Mountain Farm. Butternut Mountain Farm. That's That's amazing. I love it. Uh, We scoured the countryside of the Green Mountain State to find the perfect maple syrup companion to this rich, barrel-aged imperial stout, sticky and decadent with a subtly sweet and big, bold mouthfeel. All right. Vermont Sticky Maple. The can is fantastic. It's like dark green plaid with like maple syrup on top. Just fall. With some fall leaves. Just autumn. Yep. It's real pretty. Yeah, uh, there's that. I love it. Um, ironically enough, I was going to pull out a brewery beer to do on the show today when we were picking out beers, and all of the three that I have are lactose uh, adjuncts. Oh. It was it was some from the uh, – um, is there a name for the series where they do the 12 Days of Christmas or is it just the 12 Days of Christmas beers? That. 
Yeah. Um, I have the seven swans and the eight maids a milking, which was a obvious, not good one for you. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, nine ladies dancing, which is also lactose added. Um, but I've had them for years and I wanted to bust one out because we were, uh, not scrambling. We have plenty of beers, but we trying were, to find the right one. We were digging into the annals. Yeah. And then I was going to grab a Flanders black ale from 2015, but it was made by Deschutes and we literally just did Deschutes. So that was a bummer. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so first off, you've poured these beers, and yours is uh, very bubbly. It's still holding that head pretty well. Almost too well, I think. But I don't know. It smells nice. All I want to know off the bat is how much maple is in this, how much stouty stoutness is in this, and is it a good blend? And then I want, obviously, whatever else you think. Hmm. Because it smells straight up maple out of the can. Yeah. It's real sweet. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of maple. There's a little bit of stout in the middle to the back end. You get a little bit of the roasted malt. Mm -hmm. Uh, It finishes with a little bit of the whiskey taste from the barrels. What did you say ABV was on this thing? 11.3. Yeah, yeah, really big on the maple syrup up front. I think that's kind of as advertised, though. Like, you don't buy this to not get maple syrup up front. That's true. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, the one thing that's surprising me is the the mouthfeel of this beer. Super thin. No. Yeah. That's a bummer. It's surprising. Yeah, that sucks. It's not nearly as thick as real syrup. Right. Which you like. You don't want that, but you want something. You want something closer. I did a shot of maple syrup the other day. How long did it take? I just squirted it in my mouth oh, from the bottle. That makes sense. It's real good. Uh, was was it like for breakfast or? Yeah, we did uh, breakfast for dinner the other night. Nice. I did hash browns and eggs and French toast sticks and waffles. I got vegan waffles and some vegan maple syrup. Dope. Which, I don't know. It's, I just, yeah. Wait, what's what's wrong with maple syrup? I don't know. I just made sure that it didn't have any. The cows like pee on the trees that make the maple? Maybe. I don't I honestly don't know. If you're a vegan listening, which there might be. Oh, you know why? It was spe- specified because it was the butter flavored. Oh. So yeah. I got the butter. They use real butter in that? I don't know. I guess they do. Sometimes. I got the cheap one, so they definitely didn't. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you ever had the butter flavored maple syrup? Uh, no, but I'm also a guy that doesn't put like butter on top of the pancakes first. I think that's weird. It's good. Yeah, people yeah. like it. Yeah, mm, chubby though. What's so. the what's the popcorn taste in beer that we don't like? Diacetyl. Yeah, I feel like they probably use diacetyl in your in your cheap uh, maple syrup butter. Maybe butter maple syrup. Uh, so clearly, this does not hold up to double stack. Another famous and favorite for you, uh, maple syrup beer. Well, I mean that's kind of the the pinnacle, the gold standard. Yeah. This one's a, almost like a little bit different sweetness. I okay. feel like that's like a West Coast syrup. Like I feel like this might have just a little bit different flavor of maple. I mean, there's so many different tiers of of syrup, different qualities. Yeah, sure. You know, I mean, if you ever tasted like real pure concentrated maple syrup, it tastes more mapley than anything you've ever tasted. Yeah, like unbelievably so. Um, so I think it's just kind of like different regions. You know, this is obviously an East Coast maple syrup. Yep. Maybe Vermont. Du- yeah. Vermont. Maybe double stacks more of a, a, a Northwest. I don't know. Yeah, probably. I don't know. I don't know, man. I just had my first sip. I don't know. It's hot. It's hot and it's thinner than I wanted. Yeah. It's hot and thin. Which is not great. No. Although, yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a vapid modeling person, that is not what you want. No. Granted, I also mean hot alcohol-wise, but it is also warm. This is not cold at this point, which is what we wanted. So you you don't you want to taste all the flavor, so it's not super chilled. But uh, I'm inclined to believe that if this were a little bit colder, I personally would enjoy it more. Yeah, it's definitely got some alcohol presence, dude. It, there's a lot. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, 
I, I would have, if somebody gave this to me blind, I would have thought like 13. Yeah. This is a strong. No, and it's got definitely maple up front. It's mm-hmm. just uh, like a, almost abrasively sweet. Yeah. I mean, there's maple all the way through for sure. What what was that sound? Oh, yeah. yeah okay. That's nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't like to form an opinion, a, a, like a, a firm opinion until I've had like three sips. Um, so I'm only one deep, but my initial, initial thought is that it's, uh, like you said, a bit thin. Um, it's a bit hot alcohol-wise. There is maple, but I want more of the uh, roastiness from a stout as well. Yeah. I think uh, I get a little of the roastiness. I definitely get the heat from the barrel, but um, what this beer is, is throwing me off is it's not the most balanced. The the heat to the sweetness to the the barrel flavor, you know, the the stouty flavors yeah. of the roasted malt and stuff. It's all it's all kind of out of whack, which sucks because I've had some of these more limited runs from the brewery. In my personal life, I've had the the peanut butter bread one, which was amazing. Yeah. I'm sorry, banana nut bread. I was say, what's peanut butter bread? Okay. I don't know. Sure. But that, we should make I, let's make that. That sounds good. <laughs> That's great. Uh, dude, that really does. So I've had that. I've had the macaroon one, I believe. Okay. And then they did like a cake batter one, which I sampled, but it had dairy in it, I think. Mm. So, I mean, a lot of these have been good. Not stellar, but they've been good. And right. like, I feel like the banana nut bread one in particular was a great representation of that flavor that I was looking for. It straight up tasted like my mom's banana nut bread. Totally. It was great. Um, this beer for me is a miss. It is, huh. it's just too much maple without enough balance. It's kind of a one trick pony without being overall a, an amazing beer. I think it's it's okay to above average. Okay. Um, I wouldn't say it's a bad beer by any means, sure. but I think in the the pantheon of craft beer that we exist in, uh, there's there's better things out there that strike a better balance. So I don't know. It's good. It's not the best maple beer I've had. It's not even in the top five maple beers I've had. So that kind of gets, gets to the point that I was about to bring up. And I was going to look up when Double Stack was first brewed um, because in an increasingly diverse flavor-wise craft beer world, um, you have less and less originality in terms of uh, new flavors. So like maple is becoming more and more prevalent. Mm-hmm. Kind of like vanilla was a couple years totally. ago. Totally. But banana bread, on the other hand, n- not really. I can think of one other one. Um, and I think it's an import. Yeah, Wells. Wells, yeah. Um, which I've actually never had. But it's really good. Okay. Does it? So like between the breweries, banana bread and that one, brewery wins probably? I don't know. They, I would have to revisit the Wells, but okay. I know the, the breweries one was barrel aged. So it had a nice sure. like bourbony backbone, which yeah. personally I would love in almost like a, like a drunk banana nut bread way Yeah, where you get like almost like a flambe taste to it. Sure. With the alcohol. Uh, yeah. So I'd revisit them, but I think I've, if I recall the Wells is also really good, but I mm. haven't had it in like f- probably four years. Okay. But I um, remember it being spot on, like that flavor of just like immaculate, right? Like the most delicious bread. So yeah, well, I guess I guess my point is that there's there's an increasingly uh, raising of the bar for maple stuff. Sure. Um, and after my second drink, now I've I've noticed that I actually don't think it's too thin. I think that it's too carbonated. Because mm. um, my initial taste is very very robust. It's very full, um, but it's not until I actually swallow the beer that it's like. That's that's bubbly. That's more bubbly than it should be, um, which I think can really be the death of a stout more so than viscosity. I think you can have an averagely thick beer, but if it's too carbonated, you are in trouble. Because mm. um, I do like the the flavor for the most part. 
all the way through. It's just a little bit lacking, not mm-hmm. in maple, obviously, but in the rest of the stout. Totally. I want stoutiness and not just maple. But again, slippery slope because it's a it says maple in big letters. It's a maple. It's a maple beer. beer. So yeah. Yeah, you can't fault it for being exactly as advertised. Right. I, my shortcomings are in the actual execution of yeah. the beer. Um, I think that's where it, it falls short. But yeah, to say that it's too mapley, I think, is a disservice. Yeah, I agree. Um, so I don't uh, think it's a miss necessarily, like you said. I think, uh, I think personally, I'm a little bit bummed. I wish it was more of more of a beer. I wish it was more of a beer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, and even being a maple beer, I wish there was just uh, more of a beer taste to, or more of a beer feeling to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, feels feels more like soda to me. That's fair. Like a, a thick soda, but it, a soda. It has a, a cola like or a pop. Yeah, yeah. Wherever you're listening. Well, young Maxwell, are you ready to rate this old maple beer? I'm gonna take my third sip. Uh, so if you are ready, please go jump in jump in line in front of me. Yes, sip sip sippity your way on home. I am going to rate this beer a solidly middle of the road 5.5. It is not the worst beer I've ever had, but like I said, there's uh, a great deal of beers out there in the world that strike a better balance that offer a more enjoyable drinking experience overall. So it's a 5.5 five from me. Max, what do you think? It's a 6. It's a 6? Yeah. Uh, I think we're very similar on this. Um, I, I do think I like it slightly more than you. So when I wrote down a 6 or thought of a 6 before you said that, I was like, okay, I think I'm right. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, it's good. I would drink it again. Um, it kind of makes me want to know how much it cost because that would affect if I bought it again. I think it was under $6. If it's under six bucks, this is a good buy. Yeah. I was expecting like 10. It might've been more. I want to say it was under six or seven. Yeah. But I, I don't quote me on that. It's in the seven to 10 range. Okay. Well, yeah, right. If it's closer to seven, I think this is a fine buy. If it's 10, you're paying too much for what it is. Yeah, I agree. There's other beers I'd want to get for that price point. Yep. But just objectively as not having to pay for it, I still think it's it falls short. Sure. Uh, okay. Well, that is Vermont Sticky Maple from the brewery. Johnny, question. Yo. Are you hot? I am hot. Then I want to know what's got you that way. How's your week been? Well, it's been great. Uh, I mean, off and on terrible, but... I was going to say, if you have bothered as well, that's fine. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, no bothered that I need to get into specifically, uh, but hot, I think bothered we could just all say by and large that a universal bothered is the weather right now it's bad it's real hot so that's got us all bothered we can agree on that but i do have some things that have got me fired up and i want to share them with you i'd love that uh first and foremost i have a recommendation i think i spoke about it uh you finish it uh euphoria yeah no i'm saving the last episode i don't want it to be over oh man okay but i will review that next week for sure um so you said last week. <laughs> I know. The problem is that Mindhunter season two dropped. Oh, right. And I had to immediately watch all of it because it is amazing. It is one of the best Netflix originals they've ever produced, directed by someone that we have spoken about at length Recently. in recent episodes, sure. David Fincher of Seven fame. Yep. He's also done a bunch of amazing movies. He's got a very gritty, um, beautiful aesthetic to his directing. And the second season absolutely holds up if, dare I say, exceeds the first season. So if you're not on that Mindhunter tip, you need to get on it because it's probably the best thing on Netflix right now. Uh, if people haven't seen it, what's kind of the the general idea of the show? Yeah, so the whole premise is that we are following the people that started the behavioral science unit of the FBI that profiled and uh, 
cat- categorized, yeah. defined the parameters that we investigate serial killers with. So they're Love it. the whole set of protocol on what we look for in serial killers. And they do that by interviewing mass murderers and stuff like that. And it is very compelling. And knowing that it is done with that David Fincher touch. Dude, it's so in line with his work. Like Seven, like you said, is yeah. it about a serial killer. Yeah. Kind of, it's not. But and just knowing how much that you appreciated that movie yeah. and his work. Like, Zodiac is there's, another great yeah, film. There's serial no killers. way that you can't get super into yeah. Mindhunter. Cool. Uh, super well acted, too. I sure. really love the cast in that movie. So that's a quick little tidbit. But the other thing that's got me hot. You said Netflix. Yes. Okay, great. Yes, on Netflix. Check it out now. Two seasons available. Also, uh, brief Netflix recommendation segueing into a restaurant discovery that has got me very hot. Okay. So we started this show called Chef's Line. Okay. It's an Australian TV cooking show uh, that is very, very cool because okay. it's not overproduced. It's super – it feels very authentic and it's like – it's kind of like MasterChef without all the bullshit drama yeah. and garbage. Yep. And also the way that everyone interacts, like everyone helps each other the whole time. Oh, that's so great. The way that the show is set up, it's like six home chefs cooking against um, what's called a chef's line, which is the way it works in a restaurant is you go from apprentice chef all the way up the chef's line to head chef or yes. usually the owner, right? Right. And you have in stages these home cooks cooking against the whole lineup from one restaurant. So like, the, oh, that's cool. And the the show is like a style. So what the first one that we started on was Vietnamese food. Oh, so they oh got this Vietnamese restaurant in Australia that's like world renowned. I think they have a Michelin star. They're mm-hmm. really good, and they brought in their chef's line, and they started with the apprentice chef, mm-hmm. and they did. Like five or six. Sorry, with the restaurant's apprentice chef? Yeah. Okay. The restaurant's apprentice chef, and they do five or six episodes in a row cooking Vietnamese dishes. Oh, wow. That that restaurant serves, and these home cooks have to do their version of it and go against this restaurant, and the worst home cook dish of whatever week goes home, the rest move on until it's finally one home chef versus the head chef of a world-renowned restaurant. Dope. My question, I guess, is that so much of like a master chef type show is is the the draw from a celebrity judge like Gordon Ramsay? Everybody knows Gordon Ramsay. Right. He's a personality. Mm-hmm. Um, how do who judges this stuff? Uh, it's three Australian people. So One, you don't even know them. No. And you still like the show. Yeah. That's I think um, that's an amazing testament to the show, right? There. Right. The fact that you still enjoy it is great. They're all unique personalities. Nobody's mean. Nobody ever cuts anybody down on this show. And I think I've learned that that's just an American television thing to do. It's very American. Very American. It's so exhausting. So there's one guy, I can't remember his name. He's great, but he is an Aboriginal person Mm -hmm. that is also like a very renowned chef in Australia. And then there's a food writer. And she is- With a D, what a DB. Yeah, with a T, obviously. Yeah, writer. Like a food critic, writer. Writer. Yeah. Uh, And she is, I believe- Chinese, like half Chinese, half Australian, or she's predominantly Asian. So she has a very insightful palate for Asian food. And then there's one guy that's kind of just an Australian, almost like the celebrity, I think, I can't remember his background, but it's great because the show's not about them right. and they never make it about them. Uh, but yeah, the first season we watched was Vietnamese food and it was really- Oh, it was a whole season. Well, that- there's like- 
You said six, five or six? There's six episodes, and then they bring in a new restaurant, and it's Italian food. Yeah. And it's this stuff. And we watched a whole season on, I believe, Hungarian food. Cool. Just crazy stuff. And it was... It was kind of like everything MasterChef should be. There's right. no drama. There's no storylines. Like nobody yeah. is a character. Yeah. They're just people that are cooking. That's lovely. Uh, it was really refreshing, dude. It was like what I wanted out of a food competition. Yeah. About the food. <laughs> and watching like the like say the apprentice chef was cooking and the head chef is on this table. They're all watching. The whole mm. team's there the whole time. Okay. Um, and the head chef from this famous restaurant will see one of the home chefs struggling or not know how to do something. He would come down and help him. So cool. Like, it was just amazing. And one of the best lines, uh, one of the the Vietnamese apprentice chef was using a deep fryer, and one of the home chefs needed to use it, mm. or needed a deep fryer, but she didn't have time, She's one like, yeah, wasn't ready. Right. And he's like, you come here, let's do the sharing. That's crazy. That line, let's do the sharing. Yeah. I'm like, I love that. Yeah. It's the way cooking should be. It's very communal. and Language like, barriers are fun, too. Like, that sounds so genuine. Yeah. And they weren't shitty to each other. Right. Like, so... I loved that show and I think everyone should yeah. watch it because yep. it was just wholesome. And also I learned so much about food because they're focusing on like you see six dishes that I've maybe never even heard of, much less tried, watching them prepared in completely different ways. Super interesting to watch. And yeah. then they blind judge it. So there's three of them and only one person judges food every show. Oh, well, yeah. that's interesting. They, uh, like so you eat the food, but you don't know who cooked it. What's the feedback like? That, and also, but don't want to glaze over that. That's an incredibly important factor. Right. Like you're not just, if that person yelled at you earlier in the show, six minutes ago mm-hmm. or three days, however yeah. you want to measure it. Like you're not just taking out your vengeance on that person because of their bad attitude. Exactly. Or you perceive to be their bad attitude. Yeah. So every episode they rotate who's the blind judge. Love it. Yeah. It's really well set up. So digging that show. Love it. Uh, name one more time. Where to watch it. That sort of thing. Chef's Line on Netflix. Cool. So segue into... Sorry, this is a really long Dude, hot, no, but you know good. what? Do My it. life's been hot yeah, lately. Yeah, good. Right? I love it. So segue into watching pretty much in one sitting the whole Vietnamese food, which is the proper way to pronounce that, I learned. Is that right? Vietnamese. Vietnamese? Yep. Oh, great. Um, you were probably craving some Vietnamese food. I was. Cool. And I is- got I got to Googling, and I said, I, I know there's some good food in Chico. I don't even know if there's any Vietnamese food places around. But I'm a look. Turns out there's like four, and I haven't been to any of there's them. Four of them. Yeah. Wow. Felt like a really dumb white American sure. at that point. Like I just like Chinese food, you yeah. know. And yeah. Um, so yeah, they're known for really fresh vegetables, and like their spring rolls are f- just basically a salad wrapped up in That's rice paper awesome. with a peanut dipping sauce. Sure. And they're known for their soups. So went and got like a full appetizer spread with a bunch of different stuff at this place called Everyday Vietnamese, mm-hmm. Vietnamese, and it's right on Nord Avenue, kind of uh, adjacent to Star Liquor. So it's oh. be- it's directly between Star Liquor and Kona's, and that yeah, little sure. standalone building, uh, and super fantastic, authentic. As far as I know, it's the only place I've ever tried. Sure, but <laughs> really, I mean, did it? Did it? Did it? Yeah, look like the stuff on the show. Yeah, right. it did. Like the spring rolls, I got them, and it, they looked exactly like the ones they were making on the show. So, it was fantastic. Uh, I actually went back there. We had lunch there. Went back there for dinner. Got got round two. Nice. Yeah, and it was a hundred degrees out, and I still got 
we had soup. That's the what fr- I was going to say. Yeah, you're I saying it was soup. so hot. It was so hot, but the soup was so good. I went back and got a spicier version of the soup I had for lunch. That's awesome. So yeah, uh, cannot recommend that place enough. They do amazing pho. I had a beef tripe pho that was very spicy. Okay. Super good with a bunch of great noodles. Uh, spring rolls are great. So it was a really fun, we learned a ton about a whole country's cooking and then went out and tried it for two meals in a row. And it was it was a really great experience. I felt like not only did I connect with that show and really enjoyed it, but I was able to connect with um, a different cuisine that I'm not used to. And totally. the flavors were so unique. Like yeah. I had never tasted broth like that. It was crazy. So uh, I'm going to be trying some of the other Vietnamese places in town now. There's yeah. one over by the movie theater that comes pretty highly recommended. Nice. So yeah, that was that's my hot. I love it. That's great. I was actually looking up um, what I thought you were talking about before you said it was on Nord. There's another place, I guess, called Noodle House. Okay. Uh, which is right by Brave Coffee. Oh, and yeah. And I always drive by, and I thought- Yeah, that's a pho place. They do like pho yeah. and ramen. Yeah, I thought it was called Pho Lee, but uh, I think that's actually just a dish. Yeah. They have it in the window. I was like, oh, is that the name? Because I don't know anything right. about the cuisine. So Yeah. So I enjoyed it a lot. Great. So try them out and yeah. check that show out. I think you might like it. Love it. Okay, I will. Um, because yeah, I'm, if you've heard us talk about MasterChef or shows like MasterChef, um, I'm super into it until the show realizes that what the American viewers want is like cattiness and drama. Yeah. So I turn it off and yeah. I watch uh, queer eye instead. There you go. <laughs> That's I think what happened. Okay. So I have a few things. Yeah. Break, uh, let's break it down. Cause all of our hot is going to be more interesting than this movie. This sure. Week. Yep. It, that's absolutely true. I would um, much rather just talk with yeah. you. So I have a couple that I want to glaze over really fast. One is that I have a bachelor party coming up this weekend. You're going to be there. Uh, six other people, Alleg- seven other people will be there. Allegedly. I really hope you're there. Cause if not, it changes things, but what is oh, it changes everything. My friend, I don't know. Um, so I've never been married before. If you're a new listener, I, uh, if you're an old listener, you know that I will probably never get married again. Uh, I got a good thing going. I'm Ideally. Keep it going. Yeah. Um, so we are doing our bachelor party this weekend. It's going to be very fun. I'm excited. Now we can both say we're on our first marriage. Yes, we can. <laughs> uh, so I want to say that. Two, uh, a long time ago, it feels, my co-host Johnny Summers helped me fund a tour by donating some money to a fundraiser I did. Yeah. In return, I promised him a song. Of his choosing. I would rework it and I would play it and record a cover. Are you going to play it right now? No. Okay. <laughs> but I did learn it and I played it at a show that Johnny said he was coming to. Did not come to for reasons. It's fine. I'm not judging the reasons. Yep. But I did play that song. Nobody cared. Because that's the sometimes those are the gigs that I play and yep. that's fine. But next time I have a show in town, please come and I will play it for you again. Now Dude. I at least have one, one repetition under my belt. Boom. So it'll be better. Okay. Last week, I talked about my friend Brian. Do you, his name, do you know... Is it Massa? Yeah. Yeah, I know him. He and I were hanging out, and he insisted on buying me a Nintendo Switch as a wedding gift. Yeah. Um, And I talked about a game called Borderlands 3 coming out. Borderlands 2 is like one of the only games I've ever invested a ton of time, and I love it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I talked about that on the show last week. And one of our friends, John Wallum, texted me. (laughs) He said, hey, uh, sorry, because Borderlands 3 is only coming out on the Xbox One, which I don't own. That's important. Mm Mm-hmm. John said, hey, I have an Xbox One. Uh, You can have it. And I said, well, I'd love to buy it from you. So since we last sat down, I now own an Xbox One. Borderlands 3 is not out yet. It's coming out in like two weeks. Very excited. 
That is exciting. So that's fun. I wish you would have got a PS4 so we could play games together. On I, th- the I thought about that too, but and actually, I'm sure that it's coming out on uh, PS4 as well. Mm-hmm. But no? it's fine. Borderlands Three. I think Borderlands is Microsoft exclusive. It. I actually don't know. No, no, no. I have I have Borderlands Two on PS3. Oh, really? So yeah. Okay, no, we're good. Well, that's cool. Because um, there's some of those that are platform exclusive for sure. Yeah. I actually asked the guy at the store when we got the Switch. I was like, Hey, is is uh is Borderlands coming out? on the switch and he's like <laughs> no it's too violent and i said okay well i'll just get mortal kombat then he's right? like cool that's on the switch I was like what is happening yeah how is that fine how are the words coming out of your mouth real right um but then uh the thing that i am most recently most excited about is an order of a book and i'm gonna hold it up to you so you can see it one time before i turn it towards me boom um if there you have listened to this podcast you know that there's a film podcast i really like called film spotting uh and one of their co-hosts talked about a book called Best Movie Year Ever, How 1999 Blew Up the Big Screen. Uh, And it is a book by a guy named Brian Rafferty. He passed away in 2018. But it's a book that analyzes the year 1999 in film. Films like The Matrix. Films like The Sixth Sense. Blair Witch. Blair Witch came out. That's the first chapter. The Iron Giant. Magnolia. Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, tons of movies came out in 1999. It was a really weird cinematic year. Yeah. Um, the whole prologue is about kind of, um, the, the, the pop culture climate and like what people were expecting, what people wanted. It was at a time where CGI was kind of, you know, cresting a mountaintop in terms of what it could do, um, which affected the narrative ability of storytelling. Um, so I've read, uh, the prologue in one chapter. The first chapter was on the Blair Witch, like I said, um, and it's fantastic. Uh, best movie year ever. Brian Rafferty. I like it. I'm going to have to steal that book when you're done with it. Also, I challenge you to have at least one of the movies that you read about be a flick pick and drop some knowledge from the book during an episode. Dude, I was about to try to watch, like I said earlier, Magnolia today, but it was like two and a half hours long uh, and I couldn't, I didn't have time for it. But yeah. Also, it's Brian Raftery, not Rafferty. That was a, that was my fault. I just kind of finished the name on my own, but it is Raftery. That's just rude. I got it on Amazon for like seventeen dollars, I think. Nice. Uh, it it retails when it came out at uh, twenty eight ninety nine. So really, really good deal. Totally. Uh, if you like movies stuff, you should buy this book. It's yeah. great. So and far. if you're anywhere in the age group where you watched most of those movies, it yeah. will be an interesting read. You're gonna yeah. learn a lot. Yeah, for sure. The, a crazy amount of like very very popular movies came out mm-hmm. that year. It's nuts. Office Space. Yep. Office Space. The was first one. Sure. Star Wars. Uh, Fight Club. Yeah, Fight Club. Great one. The first Star Wars remake, I should say. Sure. The fourth Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Episode one. It was fine. I don't know. CGI-wise, that was a great movie. Yeah. Darth Maul was the shit. Darth Maul was so tight. One of the games I bought for Xbox One was Star Wars Battlefront. Hell yeah. He's not in it, but I wish he was. Yeah. So. Maybe the best character, like villain-wise. Just coolest looking, had the coolest uh, I mean, weapon. you're comparing him to Darth Vader right now, so. He looked slippery. cooler than Darth Vader. Well, yeah. Yes, by he yeah. had a cooler weapon he had a cooler than weapon, Darth Vader. Though Darth Vader had stronger force abilities. Maybe. But I don't think Darth Maul couldn't force choke people, so. Maybe. But lightsaber-wise, true. Yeah. He had that saber game on fleet, mm. And he bro. was much more like. He was a ninja. Like, he was, yeah, he's great. Too bad he got cut in half. Yeah. Although, isn't he coming back in like one of the remakes or something? Wasn't there like a post credit scene in Star Wars where Darth Maul is there? Was there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that. I remember being like, oh. All right, shit. What's up? Well, I, don't I don't know if how they're doing like a prequel or might, like his twin yeah. brother. Who yeah. knows? That movie comes out in Christmas, and that 
that could be a shit show. That's another thing about 1999. Uh, moviegoers were very much like, cool, whatever. We trust you to make movies. Movie studios were like, yeah, make something. So like all of these movies that came out were original. They weren't like superhero spinoffs or, mm-hmm. or reboots or prequels. Like it was just original ideas. So cool. Being John Malkovich. Being John Malkovich came out in Talking about original ideas. Holy so good. shit. I know. Right. And even though it's so weird, people are just like, yeah, we'll go watch that. Sure. Totally. Let's, the world's ending in a month. Yeah. Let's we're, go watch everything. We're going to party. Yeah. Like it's 1999. The book starts out with an anecdote about Brad Pitt uh, and a few others after the making of Fight Club on a beach uh, to experience the new millennium. It's a great. It's great. It's a great book so far. Excellent. So check it out. I look forward to hearing more about that as you uh, knock it out. Yeah. I'm going to finish this in the, uh, well, got a lot going on. I'm getting married soon. But I'm, I'm going to try to finish it. All right. That's fine. Which brings us full circle back to the beginning of the show, which brings us to the end of the show. Hey, Let's ready? talk about spoilers. Ready or not. Yes. Here, Here we, we go. go. Um, what do you want to spoil about this? Final uh, spoiler alert. Yeah, there's not much really except just like the very end where, you know, the main character doesn't die. It turns out that this movie is a very much a final girl horror movie. Mm-hmm. We'll say horror movie because it's easier at this point. Um, and it turns out that the devil uh, is not only real, which some of us would consider if we're talking about reality, uh, is also got a chokehold on these people's nuts yeah. and make them explode when they don't kill her yeah. by dawn. The whole thing and the silly ritual. Like when I say silly ritual, all of a sudden they're all wearing robes and there's a pentagram shaped table with straps. Yeah. Like right. Full on, like, so satanic they ritual. Fi- they finally catch her is the idea, and they're going to sacrifice yeah. her. D- my question, I guess, is, and it's not really a question, but we've talked about it, but here we are. Do you think the movie would have been better if the people did not explode and none of this was real? Or do you think that the way it played out was the way it should have played out? That's a good question, because for me, personally, I think it would have fit better with this movie if they had not exploded. Why? Because it would have added uh, a level of irony that, yeah, I'll have some more. That was. Um, Do you want some more beer? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, Thank you. Um, it would have added that level of irony. Like they're all just stupid and deluded and have no concept of reality. And are willing to go to crazy lengths to. Uh, to, to maintain their their wealth. Yeah, it could have uh, become, you know, a satire on religious extremism. Sure. Like thinking it brings you wealth or superstition, if you don't want to call it religion. Sure. You know, a deep dive into extreme superstition. Synonyms are fun. Yeah, sure. exactly. But verbiage is important. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, like, yeah. And, and then you bring in like the fact that it's not just about superstition or religion or um, any number of things. It's about... Yeah how that relates to very wealthy people. So I have to ask you what you think. Yeah. I mean, Same question. Sure. Um, I think, I mean, tonality aside, bad jokes, bad writing, um, inconsistencies aside, if this movie would have ended with, um, okay, it's dawn. Nobody died. They have to analyze what they've been doing for 300 years, m- murdering people. Yeah. F- already for the sake of their own prosperity. Um, I think it would have been a nice statement. Mm-hmm. Which is something I think. I think a good message in a movie can make up for a lot of ground, even as brief as just having it end that way. Yes, and then they have to also suffer the consequences of their actions. Uh, yeah, totally. You know? I mean, like, so 
it, yeah, let's talk about it like it did in that way. Mm-hmm. All of the ma- the three maids that have died, the uh, butler that is basically dead. And there's a pit of bodies. Pit of bodies. All these people have died. Like I would have been so much more interested in a comedic sense dealing with the the repercussions of that. Would have yeah. been awesome. Even in a serious, if the movie could have flipped and be like, well, fuck, now like this is problematic. Like run. But it's not interested in that. It's interested in in, in exploiting the joke of people exploding. Yeah. Which I said to Gianna, my soon-to-be wife, after seeing it, like, it's hard to do that more than once and make it land. The only time I can think of is, like, the Kingsman movie where uh, Samuel L. Jackson's a bad guy and they explode in, like, discotheque crazy colors. Yeah. That's funny because it's stylized and unique to the movie. But here's, like, explosions of blood akin to a shitty video game. Yeah. for no, And she gets splattered with blood and then she sits and smokes a cigarette and says in-laws at the end, which also doesn't land. I don't know. I started that sentence saying, let's talk about it like it didn't happen. And then I ended it by saying, that's how it happened. Yeah. Um, no, it would have been more effective to leave it alone, analyze the uh, social, uh, personal, interconnected relationships that, that would have left them with. Yeah. But instead, it's just, it turns into one more big spoof of gore uh, and takes away any meaning that could have been and had. That was the only moment this is, was actually like a supernatural horror. They, yeah, they could no. have introduced that whole element of supernatural horror into this whole movie. Right. That's another way that this is fragmented into multiple horror genres. Like, sure. They went from super horror suspense to B movie back to suspense with just this dash of supernatural cult horror at the end. It's like, fuck you, pick a lane. Well, dude. so that's the part of the movie that made me think about Cabin in the Woods because the, if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods, A, watch it. Yes. It's fantastic. Uh, I guess this is a three part B spoilers. C is that the whole movie is hinged upon this idea that there's these uh, scientists, I guess that release fictional monsters mm-hmm. onto campers to sacrifice them so that some greater power won't destroy the world. The whole time we're like, that's insane. But by the end it's like, Oh my God, this was all real. Sigourney Weaver was right. Mm-hmm. Uh, these people had to die. Yep. And that changes the whole tone of the movie. Here it does as well, but it doesn't change it for the better. It's not like you now start rooting for these people because yeah. the difference is they saved humanity in Cabin in the Woods and these rich people save themselves. Yeah. They're trying uh, to preserve their wealth. Right. So I guess the message of rich people suck works. Ish. Ish. Yeah. Like but we also know rich that. people make deals with the devil. I guess. Like yeah. it would have been nice. The to literal s- devil. The literal devil. It's a, it's yeah, terribly it, lazy. I think. It, exactly. It would have been much more thought provoking to have an element of personal accountability. Totally. Inter- interjected at the end of this movie. And and by the way, the flip that Alex makes. Ugh. Like. Fuck you, dude. Like yeah, it was bad. It was once, straight up. Bad. Yeah. It's her fiance. Again, if you forgot, I don't blame you. He's like. You're not going to be yeah. with me after this, and are then he you? wants to murder. He's been trying to save her, and now he's going to murder her. Not like break up with her. He's going to murder her, like stab her in the chest. I don't know about that. Yeah, uh, it sucked. It's not a good movie. The ending was rough. Yeah, I do think that. I mean, we both gave it somewhere in the three range. Like a better ending would have brought this like a six for me, for sure. Uh, and without this ending, it would have been like a five. Better, better writing. Better, yeah. just a lot of better choices. Yeah. You know, I wanted this movie to make better choices because the potential was there. Yeah. And honestly, the visuals were there. It was a really cool movie to look at. Yep. It was shot really well, super clean, crisp shots, mm-hmm. great color, great contrast. The house was a really cool visual tool. Uh, and I think it's just a lot of resources mismanaged. 
Yeah, I agree. I want to know um, really quickly your, I I assume we're wrapping up here, um, your favorite death and your least favorite death. If that's an okay thing to ask here, I think it is. Did you enjoy And by enjoy, I don't mean super um, masochistic. I mean, like in the, in the vein of like humor as they were played out most of the time, Mm -hmm. I would say um, versus the one that's or ones that didn't work. Hmm. Or even running gags. There were a lot of those as well. Yeah, the the running gag of like the the substance abuse sure. family, like family members. There was a couple that were supposed to just be kind of fucked up all the time. That really didn't fly. Right. The alcoholic brother-in-law didn't really fly. Um, the redeemable slash not redeemable guy. Right. Adam yeah. Brody. Yeah. Um, as far as deaths go, like um, my least favorite, it's going to be a tie between the the – joke of the maids that was ruined in the trailer i can think of two of their deaths the third one was in the the uh dumb waiter no i thought of that one there's the there's the the, uh, the chick shot both of them a oh, one with a crossbow one with a gun huh? yeah yeah right okay. arrow to the eye <laughs> shot the other one the last one died in the dumb waiter that one didn't work for me none of them worked between that and the people exploding it was just silly the they first did. one worked because they it caught sh- you off guard they should have all exploded at the same time yeah, that's the same as that's what I feel about the Infinity War thing. Yeah. Why, why did why did Tom Holland take so long to dissolve? Right. So we could cry? Yeah. Nice. No, I will not. How dare you? I might, but I'm not happy about it. Exactly. Yeah, that's a pretty common trope, though, in, in this kind of, like, end of villainy mm-hmm. movie. Like, one's going to take longer than the other. None of the vampires all disintegrate at the same time. Right. Yeah. Get out. Yeah. yeah, I don't get so, that. Yeah, and then favorite death. I mean, I can't really think of any. I'm trying to think, like... Eh. Yeah. When the butler got it, finally. How did he die? In the car. Oh, that's right. Yep. That was fine. That was fine. Um, Why was there a ladder down to the dead body pit? Why was that a ladder from the bottom? Why would they want? Yeah. I didn't get that. Exactly. So that was question. weird. <laughs> yeah. Handy writing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't have anything to say. I keep thinking like, yeah, I'm going to say something. And I don't. There's nothing else to say. All right, really. Let's put this movie to bed then. That sounds it's, good. It's done. We're out of things to say. That's when this show ends. That's true. Uh, Stick around yeah. because next week we're going to be hitting you right in the face with a peanut butter falcon. Yeah. If you're listening and you're like, man, I really like their their dynamic. I really like this show. But I've heard literally every episode. I wonder if there's more stuff. There is. Go listen to Patreon. But before you do it, you have to sign up. You have to give us at least a dollar a month. You could do more. You should do more probably. But we have all sorts of bonus content, fun events. Um, you can find us online at freshhopcinema.com. All of our social medias are at freshhopcinema. You can email us if you're old-fashioned like that at fhccast at gmail.com. Uh, that's Johnny Summers. That's Max Minardi, and we will see you next week with Peanut Butter Falcon. This episode would not be possible without the support of Bailey Minardi. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.